All right, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Then we get into a big show today. You don't want to miss a second of it. It's Home Title Lock. Uh, there is a huge crime. FBI says this is the largest, uh, fastest growing crime in, in uh, America today. And it's actually the theft of your home. They, they take your title and then they borrow against that title. And you're stuck with the bill and you don't even own your home anymore. There's one company that can protect you. It'll give you a free $100 search, absolutely free, if you sign up now at HomeTitleLock.com. I've done this. Stu did this. Pat did this. We all did this on our own without talking about it because this is huge, and it's a giant hole. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Do it now. HomeTitleLock.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Today we have every voice that you could possibly want to hear from uh, about the president's speech. We have Eric Bowling, we have Steve Dace, we have uh, Andrew Wilkow, Ben Ferguson, John Miller, Stephen Kent, Matt Kibbe. Uh, Pat is coming up in a second. I mean, it, we are going to be covering the president's speech and the Democratic response from all sides of the conservative movement. And we have Tito, Marlin, and Jermaine coming up as yeah, well. Yeah, Michael is still sketchy. Unavailable. Sketchy. Yeah, un- uh, Eric Bowling. We begin with him in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm anxious to hear his uh, his. Uh, look at things because uh, he has inside information and I, I can't wait to compare his notes with some of the things that are being said in the press today. All right, we're going to stop for one minute. Uh, we have in this uh, last uh, uh, last few weeks, we have changed the show. So we are only away at a commercial break for about a minute at a time in the first half hour of every hour of this program. So we've cut back on the commercials so we can spend more time on content with you. Let me tell you, our sponsor right now is LifeLock. LifeLock. Top cybersecurity predictions for 2019. Ransomware is going to taper off. It's still going to wreak havoc. But crypto jacking and other money-making schemes are going to increase. Government regulation uh, and public sentiment on privacy is going to drive stronger data protection policies. I don't even know how you even protect. I, I, I'll tell you this. Too many things to worry about. Too many things to worry about. This is the only thing you really need to know. LifeLock.com has come into its time. I remember when I was like, I would give you my social security number. And I'm like, well, who's going to use a social security number? Remember that when it first oh, came yeah. out? Yeah. Um, now it is the time. You have to have LifeLock. Get LifeLock now. Protect yourself. Protect your identity. Protect your uh, protect your life. Really, LifeLock. Use the promo code B E C K, and you're going to receive. I think it's ten percent off. I don't, I don't remember the deal. Yeah, it's ten percent off your first year. Promo code B E C K. Extra ten percent off at LifeLock.com. That's LifeLock.com. Pause for ten seconds here. So last night, uh, the president gave a speech from the Oval Office behind the Resolute Desk. The first time he has uh, addressed the nation uh, from that, he did a, I thought, a really good job, really solid speech. Then Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, which looked like something that, I I don't know, came from South Park, um, quite honestly. Um, They responded, but I want to get with Eric Bowling, who... Uh, has uh, deep relationships at the White House and possibly can give us some insight on this. 
uh, and uh, get his opinion on on the speech and its effectiveness. Welcome to the program, Eric Bowling. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Uh, I'm, I'm, sit- I'm sitting at the uh, the Trump Hotel bar last night, uh, as I do every Tuesday and Wednesday for the show. Um, and they, they, they lower the music. And what's typically on the screens is one CNN, one Fox, one Fox Business, one ESPN. They lower the volume on everything and they play the speech full volume in the whole Trump lobby. Uh, a lot of supporters here. And, and you know, it was, it was a few minutes. I think he was making his case for what could be, you know, his de- declaration of a national emergency to get to get some of the wall funding. So, I, look, he, he's. I think he's being told, he's being advised by Kellyanne and Shine and Sarah Sanders, and it is kind of a team advisory panel um, about what to do with this. I, I understand he didn't want to do the speech, and I understand he didn't really necessarily want to go to, to the Texas border. He feels those are a little bit more, um, I don't know, photo op-ish than, than, than any substantive action. But he's, he's, he's entrenched. He's dug in. He's not going to give up without a fight so to, so tell me eric the the story that he had lunch with all of the anchors and he said you know this is a photo op and i really didn't want to do it and it's not going to make a difference is, is that story true then well i mean i i, I would think it is and I, I, I read it as you did and you know when you have a, a room full of journalists an off the record um comments tend to become uh leaked and, and so i i guess it would be true but uh, you know, I, t- I tend to agree with them. It, it, I don't think last night necessarily moved the needle. I think Trump's base, people who have supported him from the beginning, want to see a wall built and want right. to see him threaten to shut or continue to shut down the government until they get funding for the wall. And the, and the, and the people who didn't vote for him or don't like him, liberals or, or anti-Trumpers or whomever, didn't come to his side by watching that, nor did they become any more emboldened by watching Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer really look ridiculous <laughs> oh, that was that was weird it was just <laughs> weird going around of, of of comparisons you know of, to what they look like it is it, it is actually hysterical let me just throw one thing at you glenn um 2019 request for foreign aid budget 27.7 billion dollars that includes three billion for israel you know a billion for jordan you know people like me and maybe libertarians like you would say well if we're willing to spend almost 30 billion dollars handing out money mm-hmm. to foreign countries is is 5 billion dollars whether you think it's effective or not is 5 billion dollars really a big deal to, to protect our southern border even no. if half or a third of the country believes it needs to happen no it's it's really not this is a ridiculous uh, i think this is a ridiculous argument and it's coming uh, at a, I, I think a uh, a ridiculous time. Um, the time to fight this was, you know, in the first in the first year or two. Now we're sitting here and everybody's digging in because we're approaching an election. I don't think the Democrats are going to give on this. Um, why? Why do you have any idea why we didn't fight for the wall like this yeah. sooner? Yeah. Yeah, because you had you had Paul Ryan, um, Speaker of the House, and and Paul Ryan was never a pro-Trump. Never saw things the same. Look, this wall funding, this wall, this wall funding, this whole debate is all political. 
I mean, we, you and I have both talked about the, how many times Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Obama, Clinton, Feinstein have all been on record on tape saying that they're, they're for stronger borders and stronger immigration policy. This is all about politics. In fact, you know, Schumer's willing to do $25 billion if he got what he wanted in DACA. So this is all BS politicking. And, and, and Trump is not one of the, he's clearly one of the most hated politicians in D.C. So they're going to they're gonna hold out on their side until, until someone blinks. My guess is that I'm going to just go out and limb and say, I don't think he's, I mean, I don't know that the best route is to declare a national emergency, but find the funding, find $3 billion somewhere. I mean, we have a $4 trillion budget, $3 billion. They, they blink and lose $3 billion yeah, on, no. some, on, on some things. Just find it and, and, or find something where, you know, we saved $3 billion on the re, you know, renegotiated NAFTA. And guess what? We found $3 billion and Mexico paid for it too. Yeah. You know, just play one of those gimmicky games that that politicians on both sides of the aisle have played for, you know, 247 years. So and, and then everyone and then we move on and, you know, TSA can come back to work and we can feel safe flying again and all the other stuff. Eric, do you, have you noticed a difference in the media? I'm, I'm struck by when Republicans, quote unquote, shut down the government several years ago over something like Planned Parenthood. Um, the argument was, why don't Republicans just give in on a, you know, a few hundred million or a billion dollars because we have to get this government open? Now that it's yeah. one little thing that the Democrats could easily just give in on and get all the government funded, they, the, 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 the pitch from the press is the exact opposite, that it's the Republicans' fault because they won't give up on their one thing. It, it's a, it's well, fascinating you know, how they reverse but, these but, things. But, yeah, but, but don't forget, when you're on that side, you go, can, can you believe they, they, they won't just give up on this $5 billion? So, so look, I think, and this is this, you know, and, and I'm glad I'm always, I'm a 100% honest person. I think Trump is making a mistake keeping the rest of the government closed. I think what he should do is open the rest, let let uh, you know Homeland Security fight this fight, and and just let the Homeland. Now, honestly, I I know what he's doing. He's using the other agencies, kind of holding them hostage a little bit because a bigger package is harder to fight with. But I, I think open the open the rest, so we don't have eight hundred thousand people who aren't getting paychecks. Maybe we have thirty thousand that aren't getting paychecks for now. And fight the battle, at, you know, at, at the border, literally where where it should be fought. And you know, it'll it'll he'll uh, relinquish some leverage, but it would be more true, I guess, to me for me for being a base supporter. Um, that's what the fight's really about. Uh, host of America. Uh, on uh, the uh, on Blaze TV every night, uh, Eric Bowling talking to him. W- one last question: Do you think the national emergency talk? Where did that come from? Because everyone was expecting him to declare a national emergency or to threaten the national emergency, and I was just going to do that. Is that off the table? Was that ever on the table? table? No, no. I think I, no. I think it's still on the table. In fact. You know, a good friend of mine, Jonathan Swan, who's uh, it's a reporter for Axios, but also has excellent sources inside the White House. I'll just let you know, I talk to the White House a lot, right? I've called them, emailed them the last few days, and I haven't been, no one's returned my call. I mean, I get emails back saying, hey, sorry, we're really swans. We can't yeah, talk yeah, right yeah. now. So they're, they're keeping keep it very tight lipped. But Swan, who's got very good access inside, good sources, says that the national emergency is not off the table. My gut is based on all the reporting that we've seen in the last you know, 12 hours, that's where Trump wants to go with it. His advisors are probably saying, hold off, let's try, you know, nine o'clock news conference, a nine o'clock present address from the Oval. Let's try going to the border to gain some support. 
my guess is Trump is still willing to pull that nuclear option if, mm. if, if need be. And, and again, he, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. They don't mm-hmm. listen to anyone else, but he's probably trying, exhausting all other avenues first. So it, it might happen. I, you know, and I, Glenn, I think it's a mistake to do that. I think he'd be better off opening the rest of the government state and fight the border battle at the border yeah. with, the, with the DHS. Couldn't agree with you more. Eric, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Eric Bowling. Uh, you can hear his opinion, all of all of the background. He's also hosting uh, the um, uh, the coverage for Blaze TV on uh, State of the Union. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to miss it. You're going to hear today Eric Bowling, Pat Gray. Clavin, uh, Clavin, Andrew Clavin, Steve Dace, Matt Kibbe, uh, uh, Stephen Kent, John Miller. Hope to have Andrew Wilkow and Ben Ferguson on today. All of the voices and more from uh, Blaze. And you can get that at blazetv.com slash Beck. Sign up now. Use the promo code Beck for that <laughs> discount, by the way. Okay. All right. Our sponsor this half hour is Relief Factor. Uh, Relief Factor really has changed my life. Relief Factor is something and I mine. take... And my life as well. What? It's changed your life and my life. You don't take it. I know. You take it and you're less irritable. And that's changed my life. So thank you, Relief Factor. You know, I don't know if my irritability is always caused by pain. (laughs) (laughs) It could be caused by pain in other parts. Uh, Anyway, 100% drug-free, created by doctors, four key ingredients that reduce inflammation. You know, you're, uh, we were just looking at the charts of the death by opioids. It is, it dwarfs HIV, gun deaths, uh, car crashes when they were all at their peaks. The crack epidemic of the 80s. Yeah. Dwarfs it's, it. Dwarfs it. It's, yeah. there's, no, there's never been anything like this. Please try to reduce your, your pain the natural way. I didn't. Really, I don't believe in the natural way. I really don't. You know, I, I just don't. I, um, but this works. I didn't take it for years. I knew about it. I didn't take it. I started taking it last year, and I take it every day now, and it really has made a difference in my life. Get your life back. Go to relieffactor.com. Try it for three weeks with a quick start. If it doesn't work, you're out 20 bucks. But if it does work, you get your life back. And 70% of the people who try the quick start order more month after month after month. It's relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. 10-second break for station ID. This is the Glenn Beck program. What did you think last night, um, Stu, yourself? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, He, I think, laid out a case that there's a lot of people who didn't know about the border. Um, Some of it, you know, he's he's, you could tell that it wasn't um, uh, it wasn't controversial enough for the media because they like their fact checks are just silly. Like they're they're little side claims. But the main claims he's making about the border are really uh, are true and i think it was a it was an effective case i think he did a good job on it i know that's not his style i thought we got a, i mean i thought there was a lot out of that eric bowling interview i mean i you know i think eric has a big supporter saying he should open up the other parts of the government yep. is pretty significant um you know i think eric you know he didn't have inside information on this but he thinks the case is it's true that trump said basically i don't even want to do this it's not a you know it's not it's the new york times reporting saying that hey this isn't. I don't want to do this, and I. You know, it's not going to be effective. It's not going to move the needle, um, and that was kind of Eric's take as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily. I think it's think- interesting that his take that Eric said that uh, that Trump 
his uh, move is to declare national emergency, which I absolutely buy into. That that is the way he kind of moves, right? Which is, and Big, as Eric said, bold, Eric brash. Didn't like it either. Yeah, uh, I, you know, none, I don't think I haven't heard anything really, honestly, from the audience or anything of uh, of people who said, you know what, I really want the border wall and I want it done with a national emergency. I mean, I think all all the supporters we've talked to have said. I really don't want to do it that way, but yeah. I really want the border wall. And right. that's a totally sensible and you're place not, to be. But the problem is you're not going to get the border wall. This is this is why Trump was elected. And if if this just plays out the typical way, he may have a hard time uh, making a case in 2020 because he should have done this in the first year. That was his that was the the crown jewel. That's what got him elected was the border wall and for him not to make that the number one priority instead to fall on his sword now when the democrats the democrats have control of the house and you know you're not going to get it you're not going to get it through the problem is is that the republicans and the democrats nobody wants to build this border wall nobody except for the american people it's interesting, too, because I don't know what the reasoning for him uh, not taking the deal a year ago on the border wall was. Uh, again, DACA. But it was DACA in trade for not just $5 billion of funding, the entire border wall funding. It was going to yeah. fund 30, it was $30 billion or something they were, they were going to trade for DACA. And now they're trying to get DACA for just the 5.7. I know. And, uh, I, and it's it, not it, happening. And it kills me that uh, chuck schumer and nancy pelosi say it's ineffective and expensive at five billion dollars when they were the ones that yeah. offered 30 30 yeah. billion dollars that is an interesting point yeah <laughs> uh yeah no I, it, it, well, I mean they're just obviously nuts if you saw the thing afterwards they, it was it, weird minute to minute it, none of it means anything to these people no people like nancy pelosi and, and chuck schumer and there's plenty of examples on the republican side that have been entrenched in washington washington for a million years and they they all look insane. I mean, Nancy. Look, again, you could talk about policy, but you have to separate the fact that Nancy Pelosi looks insane every time she's on television. I don't know what surgery she's been doing or how much Botox she's poured into the face. Whatever it is, her eyes are super duper wide. She's got the crazy. Eye. She's got the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez eyes going on. That's happening. <laughs> it's happening to Nancy. This is your future, Alexandria. If you keep going down this road, your eyes will get crazier and crazier. And the smile and I mean, just aesthetically, it was a weird moment. You know, Trump, especially it looked like it was in a hall to the bathroom, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't it? Yes. It looked. It didn't look like a big stately hallway. It looked like a government hallway. That yeah, your bathroom's down this hall to the left. Yeah, I, <laughs> and like I, uh, Eric mentioned, all the pictures going around, the comparisons. I mean, they are really funny. Like the the two farmers from that uh, old school painting mm-hmm. uh, standing, they really look similar to them. That, that yeah, the husband and wife team. You're right. It's, it's, it's You're one right. of he Chuck should have been doing it, holding a pitchfork, yes. and then it would have made a lot of sense. Yes. Uh, but I think honestly, if you look at the the speech in and of itself, you read that thing, you read the text of it. I mean, you can quibble with some of the details, but generally speaking, what he's laying out is a case that we have a serious problem with drugs in this country, and there's we have a serious humanitarian problem, problem at on the border, border. Um, and it's a problem that no one wants to solve, and it's time we solve it. Right. And I think the American people do engage with that. I, I don't think that the American people, I, you know, I, I was a big fan of the way Ross Perot used charts, Yeah. you know, back in the day. I don't know why Oval Office addresses are not produced you know, I 
I would just I would love to go in and help produce just the Oval Office addresses. Just yeah. let me let me help you. Let me help you. Just here's a chalkboard. Here's a chart. Here's something. But if you just would have shown the charts last night, I mean, here's this is from the New York Times. And if you happen to be watching online, I don't know if you can see this because of the brightness. Can you yeah, can you zoom really. in? Not really. Can you? Um it's an incredible it's an incredible chart, chart mm-hmm. about the deaths of opioids. It is almost a straight line up from what is that? 2010, 2012, almost straight line up. And he mentioned this last night that more people will die of drug overdoses this year than died in the entire Vietnam, Vietnam War. War. That's stunning, stunning, stunning. And it ha- it's happening every year and it's happening all over the country. It's, you know, like back in the uh, the 80s crack epidemic, uh, which was is dwarfed by what's happening with mm-hmm. opioids right now. It's not even close. Mm-hmm. But back then, like, you know, you could make the there. Were, uh, there was a separation, I think, for the American people. It, there was even if you lived in cities, it was those it was bad areas of the city it was high crime yeah. areas of cities. Right. Right here. This is everywhere. It's on every street. Every street, there's problems with this. It hits every family. I mean, Eric uh, had to deal with this in a major way. We're um, all going to deal with this in a major way. Yeah. We're all going to deal with this. It, it is that bad. This is, you know, they say, you know, the opioid epidemic. Well, they so overuse crisis and epidemic yeah. and everything else that you're like, what? You know, the war on drugs it doesn't mean anything anymore. But when you see how this is reaching in to the heart of America and just destroying us this this again bigger than the peak of gun crimes car crashes uh what was the third one Uh, hiv dwarfs those things literally dwarfs them it's it's a it's a real problem america You, you and you look at the number of uh the number of uh deaths and crime and mutilations and beheadings that are happening here in the country from MS-13. That is four times as many people killed by MS-13 in a year than all of the school shootings. Same period of time. What are, what are we doing? Four times as many killed. And nobody's even talking about it. And the way to solve that is getting serious on the border. But nobody is serious about it. So we will continue to get opinion and your opinion. 888-727-BECK on today's broadcast. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. Meanwhile, you're busy fighting for your life in business. If you're a small-time business person or if you're running a Fortune 500 company or Fortune 100 company, ZipRecruiter is the way to hire this is the best it's well it's the biggest hiring um or um uh, job seeking website now in the nation by far mm. it started out as uh, as a company that would just help you find the right person well people started to send their resumes into ZipRecruiter so now they have both ends and it means with the algorithms that they have floors of people tuning every single day, it means you're going to find a qualified candidate for your job within an hour, and you can try it for free. Please give it a shot. If you are looking for the right person in your business, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. 
So if you subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash Beck, use the promo code Beck at 10 bucks off. One of the shows you're going to get, Pat Gray Unleash. Pat joins us next. Every day, Customs and Border Protection agents encounter thousands of illegal immigrants trying to enter our country. We don't have the space to hold them. We don't have any way to promptly return people back to their home country. We have always proudly, proudly welcomed millions of lawful immigrants to enrich our society and to contribute to our nation. But everybody is hurt by uncontrolled illegal immigration. It strains public resources. It drives our jobs down. It drives wages down. And the hardest hit are African-Americans and Hispanic Americans. Our southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of illegal drugs, including meth and heroin and cocaine and fentanyl. And every single week in this country, 300 Americans die from heroin alone. And 90% of heroin floods across our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year than died in the entire Vietnam War. Shouldn't we try to do something different? In the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of aliens with criminal records, including those charged or convicted of 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, 4,000 violent killings, including beheadings, rape. Over the years, thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who have come into our country illegally, and thousands more will lose their life if we don't act. This is a humanitarian crisis. This is a crisis of the heart. This is a crisis of the soul. Everyone loses. That was coming from the president's speech last night. The, those things are accurate. Did they fall on deaf ears all across the country? Do we not care about the real victims here? The victims that are on both sides of the border. When the, when the president spoke about the murders the illegal alien that came across the border, the life of an American hero, stolen by someone who had, didn't have the right to even be in our country. In California, an Air Force veteran was raped, murdered, and then beaten to death with a hammer. This is not just a veteran. This was someone's daughter, beaten to death by a hammer. In the hands of an illegal alien with a long criminal history. And now the Democrats in California are saying, we're going to welcome everyone in. We want to welcome those people into our country that have a reason to be here. And that we want here. And that they want to be here. Not to rape and kill us. 
but to make us better. The president had everything he needed last night. He had all of the facts. He had the story. But I don't think it uh, was effective. He's not a good storyteller. (laughs) But it wasn't effective. But the good news is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were worse. Mm. Pat Gray is joining us now from uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, which is the podcast you can hear uh, live every day prior to this show on the uh, Blaze Radio Network. Uh, But also you can download the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Pat, your thought? I thought the content was great. Uh, almost perfect, it, but like you said, the the style was not good. That that's not his forte. No, reading from a teleprompter is not what he does best, no. and and everybody knows that. And so I think it kind of diminished the the effectiveness of it. Um, but I think he touched on a lot of the right notes, almost all the right notes. He he talked about um, the suffering of the illeg- illegal aliens themselves, which we should have started that discussion thirty years ago. We, that's the approach we should have made, was how this affects them. And then it takes away completely the racist thing, you're a hate monger thing, the xenophobia. It, t- talking about how bad this is for the people who are dying on the way here and not doing well once they get here because they're not encouraged well, to you, do well. You can go further than that. You can go further than that. You can, and we have, we have. I've talked about, look, if I were in their situation and I thought America didn't care about the border, I'd be taking my kids across. Absolutely. I would absolutely do that. Because and it's treated just, you know, like a speeding ticket. It's, it's, not, it's right. not much of anything. And know? look what no California's doing with Newsom. He's, Correct. He's encouraging everybody to come to California. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I would do that if I were in their situation. Mm-hmm. They're being conned. Because they're they're being told you can come here and live like an American. No, you can't. You're going to live in the shadows. You're going to live in fear. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, what has changed is now people are sending just their kids across. That is wildly dangerous for families and kids to do. Wildly dangerous. They're being exploited by the drug lords. We have shown this over and over again. And now the last straw is that the left and those from the open border society are funding these caravans and they are using these desperate people, some of them, not all of them, these desperate people, they're using them and conning them and saying, oh, no, you're going to get in and it's going to be great. They don't care about those people. Not at all. It's despicable what they're doing. And to bring up their past support for the wall, which in some cases was couple of years ago three years ago before just before him they still wanted border security no 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 i, I no we're not gonna even allow that to happen they offered 30 billion dollars well last year last yeah. year yes. yes yes last year so yeah. when when nancy pelosi and chuck schumer come out and say it's ineffective and expensive and, and immoral, immoral. And immoral, you you sold thirty billion dollars. Uh-huh. You were saying, "I'll take, I'll give you thirty billion dollars for the Dream Act." That needs to be hammered home, man. And the Republicans are so ineffective at that. We've talked a million times about how bad the Republicans they are. They don't at want defending the border their wall either. No, it's not their position on this case. It's not their position. But for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck 
Schumer to stand there like the American Gothic portrait. Uh, <laughs> the only thing lacking was a pitchfork in Schumer's hand. <laughs> and to tell us that it's immoral and ineffective and a manufactured crisis when here they are the most amoral people to ever hold office. The people who want slaughter of children to continue, not just in this country, they're trying to fund it around the world, and they support every degradation known to mankind. Then they say that a wall or a fence is immoral. I, I can't. It's hard to take. It's really hard to take. And uh, I think Republicans need to do a much better job at defending their principles and values. They don't have any principles and values. Now, some of them, most of them don't. That's most true. of them don't. That is true. Some do. Most of them don't. At least the the border wall is not a principle or value that uh, that they or a policy that they believe in. Those who are entrenched in power, they don't believe in it. It's why they, it's why uh, Donald Trump didn't do the deal. Yeah. He I didn't know. do the deal. And it's not him. It was the Democratic or it was sorry. It was the Republican Congress. Well, he didn't want that deal, though. I mean, he, he didn't want that deal. And, and I, I'm not, I don't fault him for that, by the way. DACA for uh, mm-hmm. $30 billion is not what I would say is a great deal. No, but I'd take I it now. I know. I think I'd take it now. That's what's amazing, though. I mean, it shows how mm-hmm. far this is bent back against certain yeah. window. Yeah, Republicans. Exactly. And, and, you know, again, this is why you try these things when you're in power. Right. You don't do mm-hmm. you don't get good deals when you don't have the power. He mm-hmm. had the power back in in, you know, 2018 and, and now he doesn't. So the deals get worse. I will say to Trump's credit, he is the only president since Eisenhower, Eisenhower. to try to really do something about this. Mm-hmm. He's actually trying to do something about this. George W. Bush certainly didn't. In fact, I, I remember oh. he, he was on a European tour mm-hmm. when. The fence and the uh, and immigration was being yep. debated. Remember that? Yep. When I come back, when I come back, we're going to get comprehensive immigration reform through. And the Republicans were like, uh, no, you're not. No, no, you're not. Because we know what comprehensive immigration reform is. It's amnesty. So he's been fighting against it. I mean, he even sued Texas when they were trying to. Uh, bring the death penalty to that guy who mm-hmm. murdered the t- the two teenagers in yep. Houston in '93. Yep, I, mean, I will say at least at some level in Bush's defense, they passed the freaking fence when he was president, eighty to nineteen. They did. You know, Donald mm-hmm. Trump had two years of complete control of the government and was not able to get with that through. And then thank you, Kay Bailey Hutchison, a Republican, yes, supposedly for basically reversing it for <laughs> basically taking the meat out of that. I mean, frustrating. It, it is frustrating, and everybody is talking out of both sides. I'm I'm sort of stuck at at the at the letting your kid go across the border thing. Now, look, if you're in the middle of what we always hear of the worst case scenarios, right? Where there's, mm-hmm. you know, you, there's a bunch of gangs around your house and you let mm-hmm. your kid escape out the back and go to the border. Of course, we all understand that. But there's another percentage of people here who are sending their kids for economic reasons. And I got to believe there's a slice in there that just are sick of their kids. And they're just like, go across the border. <laughs> go away. You're annoying. I'm sick of you on Snapchat. America so in other words, beautiful. what you're saying is we should start saying, you know, kids, Canada. Canada. <laughs> the Americans are beautiful this time of year. Go, go. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. Uh, get everybody's opinion uh, on Blaze Media, blazetv.com slash Beck. Make sure you use the promo code Beck and you're going to save uh, a buttload of money. It's Blaze TV. <laughs> That's an official slogan. You're going to save a buttload of money. Dot com slash Beck. <laughs> eh, might as well. 
Uh, let me tell you about uh, the Palm Beach letter. Palm Beach letter is all about uh, cryptocurrencies. Now, cryptocurrencies kind of had a rough, what, 14 months, 12 months. Hadn't noticed, Glenn. Hadn't noticed. Hadn't noticed? No. Really? Yeah. I huh. mean, it depends on when you bought, right? I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of people did. I will say a lot of people bought. If they listen to this show, we were talking about cryptocurrencies two years before the rise in mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies. So if you were listening to us in that period, you're fine. Like you're up, you're up three, four, five times your money still, mm-hmm. even though there's been a massive drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some I was even, gonna, I, I thought I was even late and I'm still up four times my money. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a, gr- a great period and there's been a lot of growth. It's funny. If you look at the charts of cryptocurrency and you kind of take out that big bubble that happened really, I mean, legitimately for about three or four months, mm-hmm. there was a big bubble there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at it without that, I mean, it's it's a really encouraging chart. You're like, whoa, it's it's up four times in, in yeah. two years. Yeah. I don't know any stock. There's not a lot of stocks that have done that. Yeah. I can tell you if you had your money in the bank account, uh, you, you were looking at that and you're like, okay, I've made 2% if I'm lucky per year. Uh, it's not even. It's probably 2% now, but it's probably 1% over the last couple of years. You're a lot happier if you were in cryptocurrency. Yeah, we were, you know, you're in trouble if you were buying it at, you know, 10,000, 16,000, yeah. 20,000. It's a short That's, period of time it was there. Yeah. Though, you know? yeah. Uh, and then now you just, I wouldn't lose your money. I would just hold on, uh, hold on as long as you possibly can, because it eventually will come back because cryptocurrency is the future. I'm absolutely convinced. I mean, unless there is some sort of China-like situation to where it's all just banned in the United States and, and um, you know, it's just the, the whole world is on lockdown, which could happen. Cryptocurrency and uh, blockchain is going to make a difference um, in the world. It is going to be the, the freedom key. I want you to take a course on this. A smart crypto course. You've got to educate yourself first. Smartcryptocourse.com or you can call 877-PBL-BACK. 877-PBL-BACK. This is a course that we asked one of the, you know, the bigger uh, names in cryptocurrency to design for this audience so you could do your own homework. Smartcryptocourse.com or 877-PBL-BACK. There's a current bid now uh, at Heritage Auctions for uh, 120000 It's going to go for much more than this. Uh, the original bronze penny that the Treasury Department denied even existed for about a year uh, from 1943. Most people don't remember or don't know that um, we made steel pennies in 43, 44, and I think part, part of 45. Uh, because we needed copper for the uh, for the wiring, uh, for telephones and uh, and ships and planes and everything else, so we stopped using copper. Well, they made these bronze pennies, and they made about thirty of them as they were testing. Um, somehow or another, the, these thirty pennies dislodged from the machines as they were cutting the steel pennies, and they were put into circulation. The rumor was that. Uh, or the legend is that Henry Ford said, I'm going to give any man a car who finds a bronze penny. Okay. And so it was a big deal that these things were out there. But again, the treasury said, that's not true until a kid was standing in a lunch line and he paid for his lunch and he got change back. And in there was a, 
a bronze penny from 1943, and he noticed it. It was late in 33 or 40. Uh, sorry, late in uh, f- 43 or 44. And uh, he looks at it, and he sees it's 1943 and notices that it's not steel. The, uh, the first time it sold, it went for $1.7 million. Uh, it's going up for auction for the very first time now since that time period. The kid actually called Henry Ford and said, hey, can I get a can I get a car for this? And he was told that that was just a rumor and Henry Ford wasn't uh, doing that. He should have taken the deal. Uh, This is up for auction now. Current bid, one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. We will see how much uh, it uh, it goes for. Um. But a 1943 bronze penny up for sale for the very first time. And there's only just a handful of these that we even know even exist. This is the first one found and the most famous. Let me tell you a little bit about um, the biggest investment that you could make, and that is in your home. And when you want to sell it or when you want to buy, you want the best price uh, either way. You need the right real estate agent. The way you do that is to find the real estate agent with the picture on the bench of the best looking homeless person. No, that is actually no, that's not the way. The way to find the best real estate agent is to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a this is a connection to real estate agents in your area, the best one in your area, and the one with the best marketing campaign, not the one marketing their face, <laughs> the one that's marketing your home. Did you even know you should ask? Hey, tell me about your marketing plan. That's how your house is actually sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and get your home sold fast, on time, and for the most amount of money with people who just want a square deal, just to have your same sensibilities. They're all fans of the show. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the person that's going to sell your home and is an expert in your area right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Trump's speech on immigration and the Democratic response. Today, we're trying to get all of the different voices throughout the entire spectrum of the conservative movement. We begin this hour with Andrew Clavin, then Ben Ferguson, then Steve Dace. We'll touch on our opinion as well. We also have Matt Kibbe, Stephen Kent, John Miller, and so much more joining us. What, what What is the end game? What is the effect of what happened last night, if anything? We begin with Andrew Clavin right now. This is the Glenn Beck Program. First, we want to start with one minute uh, of uh, commercial time to, to thank our sponsor. Then we're right back into the show. We've cut back on all of the uh, commercials in the first half hour of every hour of this uh, broadcast. So we can just quickly tell you about our sponsor and then move back into the program. We want to tell you a little bit about uh, superfoods. Superfoods, pretty much a lie. Yeah, pretty much a lie. Well, it's a lie if... If it has supplemental facts uh, or supplemental uh, supplement facts, right? Yeah, supplement facts. It's not an actual. You don't 
when you buy food, it doesn't say supplement facts. Right. And so if it's a superfood, it really shouldn't say supplement facts. Right. If, if you're eating a carrot or, God forbid, kale, it doesn't say, oh, by the way, there's a supplement that goes with that. I'm not eating kale and a supplement. <laughs> That's why Field of Greens is so good. This is the actual superfood. There are no supplements added to this. So you don't have to eat kale. You don't have to eat your greens. You don't have to even have fruit if you don't want it. Uh, it you just spoonful of this stuff into anything that you're drinking, and it actually tastes pretty good. Uh, and you don't have to have a salad ever again. It's oh, your it hall pass so from Salad Land. Makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. You saw my son-in-law eating, I think it was a sandwich without any bread. It was wrapped, I think, in kale. It, 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 oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's not I, a sandwich. I, when you're wrapping I, it in kale, it's not oh a my sandwich. Gosh. I looked at that, and I'm like, you you've got i know it's my daughter but you need a divorce because this is <laughs> try go to brickhouseglen.com that's brickhouseglen.com use the promo code glen field of greens we pause now for 10 seconds id mr andrew claven joins us on the glenbeck program andrew how are you sir I'm good. How are you doing? Good. So what was the what's the view from uh, the state of California where you have your new governor saying, hey, we're going to welcome everybody? Well, that's right. We in California, we're going to welcome everybody in New York City. They're now going to pay for the health care of everybody, no matter what their immigration status is. So it really it's fair to ask. What is the overall belief that Trump is putting forward, and what's the overall belief that the Democrats are putting forward? Trump made a speech last night that we were told was going to be all lies and fear-mongering, and it was all lies and fear-mongering, but not from Trump. Trump was very direct, he was very factual, he was very controlled, and the Democrats are basically talking this mealy-mouthed, you know, moral language that doesn't have any real meaning when it comes to securing the border. So I think it's just fair to ask, what's the end game? And I think the end game with Donald Trump, it seems to me, for whatever his personal flaws are, he is putting forward a very rational case that a country has a right to control its border, that people who cross the border illegally are committing a crime and more crimes will follow. That's a perfectly valid argument and that a wall would work, which is absolutely true. What are the Democrats really saying? They're saying, let's do things that won't exactly work. Let's spend money on things that we've shown to be ineffective because they want these guys coming over into the country. They think they're future Democrats. They think that the uh, idea of compassion is going to sell to minority voters who are already here. And they're not really thinking about the good of the country. I I just thought it was embarrassing. I thought the Democrats embarrassed themselves last night. And everything is made worse. I mean, this is the big point for me. Everything is made worse by the fact that the corporate media is simply now a spokesperson, a, a unified spokesperson for the Democrats. I agree. It's very hard. To, it's very hard to have a rational conversation when this immense corporate megaphone is only selling propaganda for one side. I have no problem with there being two parties in this country that disagree, but I have a serious problem when ABC and CBS and NBC and CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post, under the guise of fact-checking, are essentially checking Trump's opinions versus the Democrats' opinions and saying the Democrats' opinions are right. I think that that is so distorting to our conversation. It makes normal people get angry and overreact, and it means that the Democrats can say anything they want and basically feel that they are they're wearing armor. Nobody can touch them because the press will cover it up. And I just think, you know, 
for all of Trump's flaws, all the hyperbole, all the kind of playing fast and loose with the facts, he's, he's not half as bad as the press is. And he's, he's 100% right about them, to slap them around. You know I'm a absolute, uh, an absolutist when it comes to the First Amendment. I don't think the government should touch the press. But I think the press needs to reform itself. I really do. I mm-hmm. think they are being very damaging to this to the country's conversation i don't think they're gonna have any credibility left in you know a couple of years by the time we by the time we finish with uh the 2020 election i just think it's it's over there's no, they're just not going to have any credibility uh except for those who are playing the media uh or i'm sorry the politics uh role if you're if you're on the side of the democrats and you are really actively engaged in in that you'll you'll gravitate towards the press still but i don't know anybody who's watching it anymore do you andrew uh, you know i i do know when i when i go to new york and i talk to liberals i talk to my family they were very liberal i always whenever i read the new york times now i find myself thinking who believes that and then i remember i know people who believe it you know pick up the new york times and think this is the news or as they used to say this is the way it is and it really is shameful. I mean, I was looking at their fact check of the president's speech, and it was everything they could do to pick out some little thing that wasn't exactly 100% what they would say it was, and then call him a liar. I mean, the Washington Post was running headlines that said things like, well, he says there are hundreds of thousands of criminals coming over, but really, they're being charged with all kinds of crimes, so it has to be put into context. I thought, no, it doesn't. He was just telling the truth. You know, you can slam. It's so easy to slam Trump because of the way he speaks and the loose way he speaks with facts. But when he's doing a good job and the press doesn't say, yeah, that, was, that speech was pretty much accurate and expressed his point of view, and here's the other point of view, they, they just make fools of themselves. I, you but know, I, think, I, I think, Andrew, um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's like if you talk to somebody who says, mcdonald's makes nothing good there's just nothing good and you say hang on just a second have you had their french fries yes and they're horrible i just just dismiss them you can say oh my gosh this is horrible and this is horrible but they make a great french fry then you have credibility they will the press will never ever give in this case donald trump the mcdonald's of presidents the credit for French fries, when he makes something right, when he does something good, they still decimate him. And they're posing as the kind of voice of the conscience of America. They're posing as the mm-hmm. people who deliver the facts to America. And, you know, when, when it, whenever I hear right-wingers go over the line and start to say angry stuff and start to overreact to the way they see the world, I just know it's because they are surrounded they're surrounded by this noise that the press throws up of Democrat talking points. And why, you know, why shouldn't it make people crazy? Why shouldn't 64 million pe- people go out and just say, you know what, I'm sending a guy to Washington who's going to tell these people where to stick it. So you did, know? Did, why did, shouldn't they feel like that? Did you, um, uh, did you see anybody fact check the fact that uh, the president wants a border wall that is expensive and ineffective. That's what they said. Expensive and ineffective. Well, if it's expensive at $5 billion, why did a year ago Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and the Democrats offer $30 billion in border security for the wall itself? Did you hear anybody point that out? That 
nobody pointed it out. In fact, they tried in the New York Times, they tried to make it sound as if Trump were exaggerating when he said Chuck Schumer has supported a wall numerous times. He has. So has Nancy Pelosi. So did Barack Obama. So did Dianne Feinstein. They have all been in favor of of some kind of barrier. Why? Because when you put up a wall, it keeps people out. It works every time. It's so simple and so basic. And it's just the fact that it's Trump's promise. They really are just now so deranged by the presence of Trump. He has driven them all so insane that they will, it, seriously, if he said that I, he liked air, they would stop breathing. I, I mean, spoke, they've, they've really gone that far. Um, last question. I, I spoke to um, Eric Bowling this morning, who was, you know, has a lot of connections in the White House. He said um, that he 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 believes it's true that the president thought this would be ineffective, was only doing this because Shine and everybody else uh, told him to. He said he believes he's going to use the national emergency, which Eric said uh, I was surprised by this was wrong and he didn't want that to happen. Do you do you buy into that? And should the president use emergency powers? Well, I don't think I don't think he should, but I, it's really amazing how much of the news about Trump is news about what the news people think that Trump is going to do. Amen. A lot of the sources talking from the Oval Office are people who think they're smarter than the president, that, you know, they're the typical kind of underling who thinks that they're they're boss who works on his gut is an idiot where they went to a good school and they really know the truth and they're leaking out stuff saying now trump is a fool trump is this and that trump has a good gut he actually does have a good sense of what what he can do politically and what should be done politically he's he's pretty good at that you know despite the fact of the way he talks and i'm just really really distrustful of source news out of the oval office right now i think it is very distorted Mm. and the press is very gullible with it Andrew Clavin from uh, DailyWire.com. You can watch him uh, every day. It's always good to talk to you, Andrew. Love talking to you, Glenn. Thanks Thank you. A lot. You bet. Bye-bye. Now we're more than 60 seconds away from more programming. We have Ben Ferguson from Blaze TV. We're going to get his opinion on what happened last night, what this means uh, coming up in just a second. Uh, first, let me tell you about Simply Safe. Simply Safe, there are a lot of things that you could, um, you know, you can do on your own and, you know, you can just kind of skate with. Your family's safety and your home safety is really not one of those things. SimplySafeBeck.com is where I want you to go and look for the difference between what you may have done in the past or what you may still be doing uh, under contract with one of these, you know, alarm companies. They're charging an arm and a leg. I just told you yesterday, I don't know if I still have it here, uh, of, a, uh, of a thing that came to my door. Yeah, here it is from ADT. It says twenty seven ninety nine. dollars uh, The, the uh, lowest monitoring price. Well, that may be their lowest monitoring price, <laughs> right. but it's not the lowest. The lowest that I know of is Simply Safe, and it's $14.99 a month. And they don't change that on you because uh, you don't have a contract with them. You don't. I don't think that's changed the entire time we've been talking about no, Simply Safe. No, we've had they've been sponsors for about five years yeah, now. $14.99 the whole time. $14.99. Uh, com. You own the system. No wires, no strings, no contracts. The best way to protect yourself and your family. com. Pause for 10 seconds. Station ID. From from the Blaze TV, it is Ben Ferguson now. 
Ben Ferguson joins us on the Glenn Beck program. How you doing, Ben? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. So I'm anxious to hear what uh, what a, a millennial uh, thinks about uh, the president's speech last night and how you believe this is being processed today. Did it make any difference? I think it can make a small difference. I, I think what the president needs to do now uh, is actually more important than last night. Last night was a reminder of the country, a, a reconnect with the country about what this issue is about. It's not just about uh, a, a identity wall with Trump's name on it, which is Democrats have done a brilliant job of, of turning this issue into. that. This is about his ego. Uh, it's about his obsession with the wall. It's about Donald Trump. And what the president did lay out last night, I thought, was actually really smart. He talked about how this is an issue for safety, especially of women. Remember, uh, re- conservatives need to challenge Democrats on this. Democrats have, for my entire lifetime, said they are the party of women. Women are being abused at the border. One in three are sexually assaulted coming into this country. Women are being abused, illegal immigrants and American citizens, by illegal immigrants in this country. And I, I think the president needs to take it to the Democrats on that and say, where are you? You're the party that claims that you always are, are right on women's rights. How are you not protecting these women. I think the second thing the president mentioned last night, which he needs to now really go sell the American people, uh, especially when he's at the border, is the issue of drugs. You look at drugs in this country, and there are a lot of, of undecided, middle-of-the-road people that aren't hard Trump supporters or hard Democrat supporters that have been affected by family members who have died of overdoses of drugs, fentanyl, cocaine, heroin, All of those are coming across our southern border, and I think that's an issue where the president can win big time with younger people, millennials, uh, and with people that maybe don't pay that much attention to politics and say, this is not, take me out of it. Take my name off this wall. This is not about a wall. This is about drugs. This is about overdoses. This is the same issue that I talked about with prison reform and actually appeal to people on that issue. And then the last one is, I think the president needs to talk about the hypocrisy and expand on it even more of how Democrats are now somehow obsessed with these 800,000 government workers who are not going to get paid right now. mass majority of them, if not all of them, are going to get paid for not working during this time when they're on furlough. They're going to get their money back. That doesn't happen in the real world, by the way. But the hypocrisy of the Democrats on this economic issue. Democrats don't care about the American worker. If they did, they would have been fighting to secure the border so that Americans would not be underpaid and undercut by illegal immigrant work. That those that are not fully employed, but part-time employed, uh, because they're undercut by illegal immigrant workers. They would have been protecting and defending them. They would have been protecting and defending the American workers who have lost jobs because of illegal immigrant workers. I mean, these are issues that have nothing to do with just the flat, simple issue of millions of people coming across the border illegally and how we need this wall. And I think the president's now got to go out there. He's got to sell it and break it down into these categories, because when you do that, it, re, it basically brings new attention to the issue or a reminder of what is coming across the border. And then it's not just Trump and his, quote, wall. And again, I give credit to the Democrats. They've done a fabulous job of turning this into an ego-driven uh, idea, when in reality it's the idea that got the president to the White House, and it's an idea that Democrats themselves, Bill Clinton, Obama, Hillary Clinton, I mean, even you've, you've seen the videos, you've heard the audio, Glenn, of Schumer, hardcore on, on, on illegal immigration reform. The only thing that changed 
is that Donald Trump is now in favor of the wall, and the Democrats hate Donald Trump, and anything Donald Trump's in favor of, the Democrats will oppose. Talking to Ben Ferguson from uh, BlazeTV.com. You can see his show on uh, the Blaze TV. Ben, what, what do you think the right approach is here when you're selling this to America? Because, I, you know, there's a couple stats between the uh, overdoses being more than the Vietnam War deaths in a year. I mean, that's a fascinating stat. You brought up the one, one in three women who are being brought here are sexually assaulted on these journeys, illegally crossing the border. What is the what's the argument that connects with America so they don't see this at a part as a partisan issue? Yeah, I, I think the president needs to take this to the local level, and I think uh, he needs to go to these states, each one of these border states, and I think he needs to have town halls. Uh, I, I remember Barack Obama doing them brilliantly, where you bring in people that have been affected by the issue that you're mm-hmm. talking about. He did this with health care reform. And take himself out of it and bring the governors up and bring the congressmen and the mayors and the sheriffs up. Uh, I, I would even argue do the same type of town hall that CNN did after the, shooting in, uh, the school shooting in Florida. Have the local people that are affected the most and highlight them. That's how you sell this. Because I do believe that if the president wants to get this done, he's got to be very strategic about taking himself and his personality out of this. Because the Democrats, again, they have played this brilliantly. They that this wall is only about Donald Trump's ego. It's, it's, it's nothing else. And he needs to let other people's stories shine here uh, and talk about this. I mean, you, look, in 2018, you had over 17,000 adults arrested at the border who had prior criminal records, including over 6,000 gang members. You have to highlight those people that were affected by MS-13. You, you have to highlight the people that are affected that lost loved ones, just like that police officer in California the night after you know, we celebrated Christmas. I mean, and, and you talk about uh, ICE, for example. Uh, Cortez last night was on MSNBC saying that ICE agents are, are what's wrong with this country and they're actually uh, human rights abusers. Well, those human rights abusers, those ICE agents, in 17 and 18 alone, 100,000 arrests for assault, 30,000 arrests for sex crimes alone. And that's not the only thing they talk about. 4,000 arrests for murder. And that's only the people that we caught. So the president goes out there, sells this to the American people that way. That's how you're going to connect. What did, uh, I, t- I talked to um, Eric Bowling about an hour ago, yeah. and he said that he thought the president was going to use uh, emergency powers. He didn't believe in this approach, and he was just doing this uh, to get it done and to check the box, uh, and he was going to use the emergency powers. Talk to me a little bit about emergency powers. Is that a good idea, a bad idea? And and also, does the government shutdown continue for very much longer? Yeah, well, two things. I think, one, that the that last night not proposing the, the, the emergency powers was actually a smart move. The, there's still work to be done on selling the American people that there is a crisis and an emergency at the border. So I think the president laid the, 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 the groundwork, the, the, the framework, the foundation for that possibility. I also don't think that you do it yet because we're not far enough into a government shutdown uh, where people are starting to say, get it open at all costs. I, I think 
we're still very divided in this country on this. I actually personally like the government shutdown. I think the longer it goes on, the more it shows the American people how bloated the federal government actually is. I mean, remember, we're not talking about a total government shutdown. We're talking about a partial shutdown. We can have this thing go through September, uh, and, and the mass majority of the actual functions of the government that we do m- mostly need are yeah. going to be running. Okay. So I think the president keeps it going. Ben Ferguson from the Ben Ferguson Show. You can hear the rest of his opinion, watch his show, and all of the opinions across the conservatives' perspective at blazetv.com slash Beck. Use the promo code Beck and save on your subscription. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Imagine owning a company where the biggest complaint, the number one complaint was, I wish I would have bought the bigger one. That's the that's the situation at Liberty Safe. What a sweet problem to deal with that people buy their safe and their only complaint is, I wish I would. I had more stuff. I usually only say that after a drive through run. You know, I'm just like, ah, I should have bought this super size. Uh, that, yes. But that, it happens yes. all the time at Liberty yes, Safe. It does. <laughs> it does. Liberty Safe, they've sold 2 million safes, and they've done it for a reason. They're the number one safe manufacturer in the nation now. And they offer exclusive uh, features like military-style uh, locking bars and heat-expanding fire seals. Second to none. Best-built safe on the planet, bar none. It's Liberty Safe. Go there now, libertysafe.com. Keep your family safe. Keep your paper safe. Keep your guns safe in a libertysafe.com. Steve Dace is coming up in just a couple of minutes. Get his perspective on the president's speech from last night. He's also on blazetv.com slash Beck. Use the promo code Beck. Steve Dace, who follows us on Blaze TV uh, and uh, Blaze Radio Network, joins us now from Blaze TV uh, to give us his opinion on uh, what he thought of the Donald Trump's speech last night uh, and Nancy and Chuck and what the fallout or effect is going to be. Steve, welcome. Morning, Glenn. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. So what I thought happened last night was was essentially... Uh, the 2016 election in a nutshell. Uh, I thought uh, at the beginning of the speech, I, I kind of felt like you, sometimes you have those feelings like, I still can't believe the guy from The Apprentice is president, you know? And, <laughs> and look, it looked, it, and I watched it on Fox, and it looked like Fox's camera angle was off, so it looked like he was talking over my shoulder, uh, and he was hurried, he was kind of running through the, the content, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. I, again, he can't handle the trappings uh, of the office. Uh, but then there was a pivot point, and the pivot point began when he started using personal testimonials of Americans harmed by illegal mm-hmm. immigration. And then he started dropping illegal alien, which kind of get which gets you shadow banned on social media for using the legal term nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then it, so it, it started ratcheting up, and the crescendo pivot, the, the the piece de resistance, is when he went to the card of. Wealthy politicians have fences and walls, Mm -hmm. not because they hate the people outside, but they love the people inside. And the last third of that speech is that was the argument of moral certainty and and out of the details of how many people have been arrested and how much brick and straw and mortar Mm -hmm. to use. And and he got to the premise of his argument. And then then the Democrats presented a face 
This is why they keep covering him so much. It's why we had so much time during the general election, Glenn, when it looked like Hillary wasn't even running. Yes. Because they know on his own he's not a likable character. But given an unlikable foil, and he is a devastating political weapon, and all they needed was Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer last night looking like they swapped and shared eyeshadow before the game began, (laughs) and it was over. It was basically a replay of 2016, just swap out Hillary Clinton for Schumer and Pelosi. Why, in in your wildest dreams, would you have selected Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to stand in a narrow hallway that looked like it was a hallway to a bathroom is uh, standing at a podium, the two of them shoulder to shoulder. It looked ridiculous. They mm-hmm. were awful at it. Uh, why would you pick those two? Well, the problem that Democrats have, you know, and, and they have an establishment and a swamp and a base and activists, just like the Republicans do. And they're in a generational transition. You know, we played a clip yesterday on our Blaze show of Whoopi Goldberg going off on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I and I channeled Kevin Nealon, subliminal man from SNL back in the day Mm -hmm. to show our audience that that's she's not really talking about know your role and and know your place. She's upset that Ocasio-Cortez is earnestly and idealistically trying to front sell the country on becoming Sweden. And what she's really telling her is we got to lie better than that. Um, We we have to we have to race bait better than that. We can't sell this thing whole cloth as an upfront product. Because while the re- most of the country is not conservative, it ain't communist yet either. So we can't win that argument. And so the Democrats are in this generational vortex where people like Ocasio-Cortez are not yet ready for leadership. They're not yet ready for prime time. And the country's not yet ready for them to sell us the, the, the jalopy. And so they need to bring Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, uh, the dinosaurs out, to keep trying to sell the undercoating instead. So they're in this no man's land. And, if, and that's why I wrote recently that the, the 2020 election outcome, barring some bombshell from Mueller we have yet to see, barring that, the 2020 election outcome is already spoken for. Either the Democrats will nominate someone who is likable, a Joe Biden, a Beto O'Rourke, somebody like that, or they will nominate one of these Marxists that wants, either they want to beat Trump or they want to convince America to become Sweden. If they want to convince America to become Sweden, he's going to troll the Sam Hill out of them all the way to Election Day. If they nominate somebody who's far more likable on television as a contrast to him, then I think you'll see a replay of what we just saw in the November House election. I, I, you know, I wonder, however, if the American people aren't the millennials, at least aren't ready for someone to say, you know what, this just doesn't work. I mean, I talked about this on Fox. I said the masks are going to come off. And they're going to say, "Okay, yes, yes, I am a socialist. Yes, I do believe in this because capitalism doesn't work. And we're there now. And they're saying those things. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're not. But those old horses don't run anymore. They just don't run. They don't connect. You, uh, I looked at Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer last night and I thought completely out of touch uh, they don't even look real. Nancy Pelosi doesn't. She looks like, uh, you know, Walt Disney was called up from the freezer to to keep her going. It's bizarre. You're right that the millennials are. But, you know, here's the difference. This is where you look at the Senate election we just had, because those are statewide elections. You know, I was actually on MSNBC once where Ed Rendell tried to make the case. Republicans had just won the Senate from the Democrats because of gerrymandering, okay? I mean, no, there are statewide <laughs> elections, then. okay? 
All right. That's not how that word works. That's not at all how that word works. Yes. So statewide elections, what you just saw is in a very favorable environment. Democrats didn't pick up any seats in the Senate, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning in terms of a net gain. All right. They didn't pick up a net gain. And why that what that matters for a presidential election is that's what presidential elections are. They're higher turnout Senate elections, Mm -hmm. 50 of them all over the country. And so the demographics are in favor of the Democrats just being openly and honest about, hey, we're all Marxists now in 2028, 2032. That's why I've said on our show all along, if we don't see moral and spiritual great awakenings like we saw in the in the 17th and, and 19th centuries, you'll see liberty die in America because we are heading towards that demographic apocalypse. I agree. But we aren't there quite yet. And so we're not having the 2028 election yet. We're having the 2020 election. And there are still enough people that live in rural places or live in places like Iowa, where I live now, that still that still kind of respond to the old uh, to the old time religion, for lack of a better phrase. And so they're trying to figure out when can we give you guys the full Monty or and and how much longer do we just have to show you a little slip uh, of the leg? And that's what's going on in the Democratic Party. right? Do you think the average Democrat, they may not like Donald Trump, but the average Democrat is listening in the heartland and they see Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and they say, hey, wait a minute. I mean, you guys don't believe any of this stuff. You, you, I mean, like, for instance, last night I watched Donald Trump and I was actually really, really pleased and happy with his speech. Uh, not necessarily his delivery. I, I watched him with frustration like I used to watch George Bush with frustration going, oh, geez, man, please. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so I had that frustration that he wasn't doing a good job delivering. We never seem to have somebody who can deliver a speech since Reagan. Do you think that the Democrats at least feel that when it comes to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? Or do you believe that they were effective? What I think is fascinating about the transition in the Democratic Party is the in the Republican Party, it's the Republican base versus the leadership. It used to be called conservatives, moderates. It then became Tea Partiers establishment. But really, it's about the base versus the party and leadership and donor class. In the Democratic divide, they have that. But then there are also two different Democratic bases. There is the Democratic base that the Joe Bidens of the world grew up in, that is, far more liberal than we are and has moved increasingly to the left in the last couple of decades. But they still grew up in an America where they were neighbors to people like us, Glenn. They went to church with people like us. They, they, had, they, they, they played Little League with people like us. And so we're not somebody that needs to be snuffed out. And as Eric Erickson likes to say, if you won't join the new utopia, you will be made to care. All right. And then so there's that Democratic base and they're they're the they're what's left of the blue collar private union worker, the electrical worker guy, the teamster worker guy. But they're going away as the economy modernizes and evolves and they're being replaced by the other Democratic base. And that's what in, in a place like Iowa, you'll find the first Democratic base that I mentioned in rural places like Indianola outside of where I live in Des Moines. And and you'll see candidates like Joe Biden and Beto O'Rourke go to places like that. And then there's the other Democratic base at the University of Iowa and Grinnell College. And that's where you're going to see the Elizabeth Warrens and Camilla Harris's and the Spartacuses go and everybody else that's running, because that's the new wave. Those are the people you're talking about. They are ready for the hammer and the sickle. They have read Das Kapital, and they are convinced that that is America's third wave. So it depends on which Democratic base you're talking about. You're in Iowa. You're watching the election uh, and you're seeing these people come to town. 
tell me about what your what your initial gut is on the Democrats that have come through. I'm going to give your audience a name they've never heard before. Watch a guy named Jerry Crawford. Jerry Crawford is the Democratic, longtime Democratic Party kingpin in Iowa. I've known Jerry for years when I used to do local sports talk radio. He's a big sports enthusiast, a horse racing enthusiast. Uh, We've run in the same circles. Him and I have gotten along for years. All right. And he is of the old Joe Biden wing of the party. Remember when Hillary said a few months ago, the reason that the struggle she had in Iowa is she still is a capitalist. Mm -hmm. This is Jerry Crawford backed Hillary Clinton. And it used to be if you got Jerry Crawford in Iowa, you won the Iowa caucuses no matter what. Well, Jerry Crawford has struggled in the last two Iowa caucuses. Basically, Hillary and Bernie tied and then Hillary lost to Obama here. All right. And so what will be fascinating is if you see Jerry Crawford say, I got to give the old Democratic Party one more go. And that's why I'm going to back a Beta O'Rourke or I'm going to back a Joe Biden. Or if you see if you see Jerry Crawford sit back and wait to see which of the new Marxists emerges and says, you know what, I'm going to get on the winning side. He is the caricature, the archetype of what's happening in the Democratic Party. And I would watch a guy like him much more than I would watch the candidates themselves. Steve, if I were going to give you three draft picks and you had to select uh, the Democrat that actually wins, if you had to pick three out of that field, who would you pick? Best I think Joe Biden will absolutely beat Donald Trump. And the reason why, and, that, and mm. that would be my only pick. Mm. And the reason why I think he'll absolutely beat him is because he's got high name ID and because he, he, even, he has enough of the new Marxist cachet, having been Obama's VP and right-hand man for eight years, that while they won't, the, the, that, that the Ocasio-Cortez crowd won't rally to him, he has too much street cred for them to reject him and openly revolt against him like they did Hillary in the last primary mm-hmm. cycle. So to me, I think it's, I think, I think he, if, if, if they nominate Joe Biden, I also think Joe Biden is much like Trump. He is really good in, in interpersonal settings and casual mm-hmm. settings, but as a malaprompt with the stagecraft like Trump is, which means I think he'll stand up to Trump's trolling and return fire and give him what for. He won't wilt under the uh, humiliation act that Trump likes to do with his uh, opponents. And so if they nominate him, then I think you'll see the 2020 election look like the 2018 House election. Everywhere Democrats can win, they will win. Wow. Steve, thank you very much. Great analysis uh, from Steve Dace. Steve Dace has a show that follows us on the Blaze Radio Network and also BlazeTV.com. BlazeTV.com slash Beck. Use the promo code Beck. You're going to save some uh, cash on your uh, membership. Today is the day to join because we have everyone, the entire spectrum from uh, the White House correspondent, which we're still going to talk to tonight, uh, John Miller. Uh, Actually, we're going to talk to him here in just a few minutes. John Miller is coming up, I think, next. Matt Kibbe who is on the libertarian uh, side of the spectrum, and Stephen Kent, who I would also put on the libertarian and millennial uh, side of the spectrum, uh, and, of course, Mark Levin and everybody else. You can get all of their opinions and uh, and see where the conservative movement is headed by joining blazetv.com. That's blazetv.com. Make sure you use the promo code BECK. All right, American Finance. So I brought in a, uh, a letter the other day that I was I was just floored by. It's a it was a letter from uh, here it is. It's a it was a sales piece actually from J.P. Morgan Securities, and basically what it is is it's 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 selling you relationship pricing, 
And you can get a really good price on a mortgage right now for your house if you just sign over as collateral what's in your stock market. Okay, so I'm going to sign over what's in my 401k. And I, I, because I believe what's going to happen to the stock market is disastrous, I thought, well, what's that going to mean for people who put in the stock market their 20% down? Uh, it, it says, fine print at the very last, managing collateral. If the value of our, your securities and pledged asset account f- uh, falls below the required minimum, you will be asked to post additional collateral. Oh. If you don't, your pledged securities may be sold to satisfy such obligation, and you will not be entitled to choose which assets would be sold. J.P. Morgan reserves wow. the right to sell your securities at any time as deemed necessary by market conditions and other factors. Holy cow. You're giving them the right to sell your stocks, yeah. your we retirement accounts. We have not learned a thing, no. not a thing from 2008. Here's the mortgage company I do want you to go to. Why don't you go to AmericanFinancing.net because they're not playing any games. They are not beholden to any banks. They're not going to get you into any crazy schemes. It's AmericanFinancing.net. They work for you. Call 800 906 2440-800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Ocasio-Cortez just uh, came out and uh, she, she made some very good points. I mean, if you're on, if you're on the Republican side... She made some very good points that everyone should hear. Uh, it's true. Listen to her response to that to that speech last night and tell me the reason why Republicans talk about her all the time is because they're afraid of her. They're, they, they talk about her all the time because they are dying to make her the representative of the Democrat Party. Oh, she is. Put her on television over and over and over and over again. Convince America that's who Democrats are. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to Republicans. If conservatives had Saturday Night Live, she would be oh. known as Sarah Palin today. Times a thousand. Yeah. I mean, she is just... I mean, you know, I'm just using the words that they used about Sarah Palin, a dingbat. She just is so wrong about uh, facts, figures, even just a clear line of thinking. Keep giving the attention to uh, Ocasio-Cortez instead of like a Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is much scarier to Republicans than Ocasio-Cortez. We're going to play this this Uh. response from Ocasio-Cortez coming up in just a sec because it's just it's just such good eating. Of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck program. Big surprise! That thing that happens every hour happened to happen this hour as well. I'm I'm trying to jam so much in today. (laughs) We have already talked to Eric Bowling, who is really a chief political correspondent in Washington D.C. about what he saw last night, what his his vision on inside the White House was, um, and he was fascinating fascinating had real great perspective uh we've also had steve dace who talked about how this is going to play in 2020 and i thought that was fascinating as well we now have uh we now have our white house correspondent more of a 
more of a guy who is a uh, a Trump supporter, but he is our White House correspondent. So he'll give us the conservative perspective from the White House point of view. Then Matt Kibbe is going to join us from the libertarian perspective. And the conservative millennial is going to be joining us here in, uh, in just a second as well. Stephen Kent. All of the analysis from the entire spectrum of the conservative movement. It begins right now. This is the Glenn Beck program. All right. Uh, We have uh, moved around uh, commercials and deleted some commercials so we could spend more time with you in the first half hour of every hour of this uh, broadcast. We only break two times in this half hour, and uh, this is the first one, and it's for one minute, and then we're back into the show. I want to talk to you a little bit about X-Chair, our sponsor, making this possible today. X-Chair, really comfortable office chair, productive office chair something that you know people who uh have bad backs they love this because it has this i don't know what they call it the dynamic lumbar support or whatever i should not be spokes a spokesperson for things because i it feels good when i sit on it that's right i don't care about what they call things and stuff it's just really comfortable uh and uh it is the best lumbar support you will you'll ever have but you don't have to have a back problem to feel that way and it's got all kinds of adjustments on it uh it it does absolutely everything that you think a chair could do except make probably make you a sandwich now they also have uh the x chair basic which has all of the support all the things you need but it doesn't it, it's like the one i have is like a flying car i don't even know what half the stuff does uh i just know it's really comfortable and the x chair basic is just as comfortable just a lot uh, uh, less expensive. Check them out now. Go to xchairbeck, xchairbeck.com, xchairbeck.com. Use the promo code Beck. You're going to get a free, free foot rest. Uh, I think they're 100 bucks off as well. It's xchairbeck.com or call 844-4-X-CHAIR. Our White House correspondent, and I cannot believe that I'm saying this, about John Miller. Uh, John Miller, who uh, started as an intern for me uh, and then was my assistant for a while. Uh, I, I just love him to death. Really, really smart, honorable man. Uh, is now the White House correspondent. Uh, after leaving me, he made something uh, of himself. <laughs> <laughs> and now the White House correspondent for uh, Blaze TV. John, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Glenn? Good. So I talked to Eric Bowling today, and he said that that, that meeting uh, that the New York Times is talking about with all of the uh, the anchors happened yesterday at the White House with Trump, where he said... Yeah, I really don't want to do this. And, you know, they're kind of making me do this, but uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do it. But I don't think it's going to be so effective. Did did you hear about this meeting yesterday that it happened? I I did hear about it. I was not at the meeting, but I heard about it. Um, And I I, I think that he underestimated. I I think it was incredibly effective. And I think that, you know, of course, they're going to have polling um, where they kind of jimmy the questions to make it seem like uh, it, it wasn't effective. But I think last night what you saw was a pretty rational, reasonable case for yes. a border wall. Agreed. Uh, and, you know, it was not a political uh, speech. It was, in fact, I, I think one of his most presidential moments. In fact, he was probably too stiff 
yes. and you know, it's like you can you can actually move your hand still, Mr. President. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, the reaction uh, is going to make it even more effective because the you know the reaction from Chuck and Nancy. I mean, that was a joke. I mean, that was it was widely mocked across the internet. You know, even left wing outlets went to town with it because you, you you had these two people looking like villains. Uh, you know, it, it, the lighting was terrible. They looked like they're coming to you from their evil lair. But the most jarring part was that they were telling the American people uh, that things that are common sense to Americans aren't so. I, I, and that's what made it surreal. Yeah. This was not a partisan issue. So what we've been doing here is we've actually been talking to uh, Customs and Border Protection this morning, um, getting, their per- getting their perspective on it, because they're laughing at the idea that a border wall would be ineffective. Well, and, I, 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 John, I can't believe, and, and this is, I, I don't know how you sit in the press room with all the members of the press. Um, I really don't. Um, <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's why my time spent with them is minimal, because in, in, my, in my judgment, they do not offer any adequate perspective on this stuff. The guys you want to talk to are the people who actually know what's happening. And in this scenario, it's Customs and Border Protection. Well, and, it's, and it's the people who are actually there who actually know, and it's their job to find out how to solve this problem. When they say, because Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer said, this is expensive and ineffective and... Uh, uh, just not worth it. It just doesn't work. Then where is the press asking Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi? Then why, what, 12, 18 months ago, did you offer $30 billion for the wall for right. DACA? Uh, yes. And, and, and I mean, and then in 2006, if, I mean, if, as Kellyanne said, if you want to call it the Secure Fences Act, of 2019, then they can work that out. But uh, the idea that this is, is partisan, that this is radical and extreme and racist is, is mind-boggling. And, you know, when, when they have these hysterical reactions to very normal things, it discredits their hysteria. Because when everything is extremist and racist and fascist and hateful, then really nothing is. So, uh, I mean, to get better perspective, just talk to the guys who know actually what's happening. And, and, and it's like saying wheels don't work anymore. Now, of course, it's not a comprehensive solution, but I mean, walls, barriers are critical from a security standpoint, and it's, it's common sense. I mean, it's, it's been the truth throughout history. I mean, it's, been, it's the truth in San Diego, where apprehensions have gone down by, I think, 96% since 2005. We know it's working in Israel, where suicide attacks, those declined by 90%. It goes down by 90% every time it's tried. Egypt, where they erected a massive steel barricade with Gaza, which you know, helped stymie Hamas. And then in Spain, they have one blocking illegal immigration from Morocco. So walls are working all over the world. The guys know this. It's just now that Trump is expressing his support for a wall that all of a sudden it's ineffective, it doesn't work, it's unreasonable. That hasn't been the case throughout history and throughout our country's history. So, John, what do you, because the, the press isn't going to give up on this, and neither is the president, and neither are the Democrats. So how do you see this playing out? I, I think that that's the one thing that this speech probably i don't know if the speech moved the ball forward i think it informed a lot of americans of the realities of the border but i don't know if it actually um it it, it was a development in in the story i think that you know what he's going to eventually i I don't see the democrats budging uh and like you said i don't see the president budging so it probably will come down to what everyone's talking about which is the you know emergencies declaration um act which you know the congress gave the president which was a, a lot of things in that i disagree with but uh, it is a presidential power now since 76, so the president can use it, and 
it, he shouldn't use it to shut down businesses, but he can use it to do what is the federal government's fundamental job, which is national security. Mm-hmm. It's the one thing I think a lot of small government people can even get behind is actually securing our country and our borders. So I, I, I agree with you. I want the wall. Um, I want border security. Um, but I'm very concerned about uh, the president, you know, declaring an emergency for national security because uh, I, and it won't even take Trump doing it to get the Democrats to do this. But uh, it'll make it easier for them to say global warming, number one cause of uh, of, uh, you know, in, you know, um, instability around the world. It's going to cause famine and wars and everything else. So we're going to have to do something. Right. Uh, and They're we're opening ourselves it. up to real trouble. I mean, the hatch has already been opened on that, though, when they when Congress gave the president that power. So either we roll it back or we let the president use the power that he has. I, I think it's reasonable. I, and the president is going to have to make the case before the courts. But you look at the actual I, they're going to have a really hard time. Uh, defending the fact that global warming is actually a crisis because the numbers just aren't there. But, I mean, the, the numbers on the opioid crisis alone, uh, I, I mean, I think it's hard to deny, and most of those drugs, as we know, are coming in from the border. I think it's hard for anyone to deny that that is a real crisis level. So the president already has the power. Um, I, I, I agree that it's going to open the doors, but they do have to make these cases, and they have to win these cases before the courts, before it actually gets affected. John Miller, uh, our White House correspondent, and uh, also you can watch his show on BlazeTV.com. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate it. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Beck. Uh, Make sure you sign up today. Today's a great day. The fact this whole month we're going to be doing all kinds of unbelievable coverage for the State of the Union uh, as well. Never more than 60 seconds away from more programming. We have the libertarian perspective from Matt Kibbe, also from Blaze TV. Uh, And that should be interesting because I don't think he's going to fall in the same place that uh, John Miller just fell. Let me tell you about Goldline. Uh, Goldline uh, is uh, something I've told you about now for, what, 15 years? I started buying gold uh, before Goldline was even a, a, a customer of mine. I was a customer of theirs. I started after September 11th. Uh, today, in fact, this is just breaking. Paris Yellow Vest activists are urging French citizens to empty their bank accounts and spark a massive run on French banks and their longstanding fight with the government. Uh, this is really dangerous uh, seems like there's almost like a coming insurrection there yeah someone should have warned of that <laughs> i know but that's ridiculous um this is really dangerous this could dramatically affect the euro if there's a run on the banks in in france you could see this could be a tripwire that starts things um just spiraling out of control if it's not this it's going to be something and it's going to happen relatively soon i think so please call Goldline. The world, when it goes crazy, it always goes back to gold. Call Goldline now. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. 10 seconds, station ID. From the Blaze TV and blazetv.com slash Beck, Matt Kibbe joins us on the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Matt. 
Hey, Glenn, how's it going? Good. I, I've been anxious to hear your point of view because uh, you are on the libertarian side of the spectrum, and we're trying to get everybody's opinion from the, the from the MAGA guys to the libertarians to the conservatives and the millennials, and try to get everybody's opinion. I think, with an exception of John, we pretty much have a consensus that um, the wall is important, security on our border is important, uh, but not the use of a uh, of a of, of an emergency act. Uh, that's not the way to do it. I'm interested to hear yeah. from you, even if you think that border security is important. So, uh, border security is absolutely important, and you know, I think. Uh, the president's argument with the Democrats in, in large part is, is semantics. It's words. You know, we're we talking about a fence or a wall. Are we talking yeah. about spend, spending two billion or five billion? Um, and it's important to remember that, you know, Mitch McConnell could have gotten this done and they could have cut other spending and they could have gone through budget reconciliation. But here we are at this point. I mean, as a libertarian, I would I would look at other things we could do to make sure that that the money we do spend on border security is actually um, targeting the bad guys. And and I'll I'll say some things that will make some of your viewers uncomfortable. But for one thing, uh, we need to do something about the drug war. If we're worried mm-hmm. about illegal drugs and, and deadly drugs coming across the border, uh, we should look at what happened in Portugal, where they decriminalized all the drugs, including the very dangerous drugs. And the net result over the last 20 years has been a significant drop in drug deaths, uh, a drop in in young people using drugs. And in the case of the border in our country, it would get rid of the incentive for a lot of bad guys to do a lot of bad things and to bring really dangerous drugs into our country. And why 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 don't we talk about why don't we talk about that more? I mean, that is when you say it drops significantly. No, 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 Matt. It it dropped dramatically. That was a country that was that was really in the situation that we're in now or or approaching to where death and suicide was off the charts. People were addicted to these drugs. It was one of the worst places in the world. And they tried to keep, you know, making the drug laws stronger and stronger and stronger. And nothing was working, and so they decided, let's get rid of the drug laws and let's spend that money on rehabilitation, uh, you know, um, you know, AA kind of programs. Let's help people help themselves. And it was dramatic. It yeah, saved that country. From, yeah, they went from uh, a hellhole to being um, the best in Europe in terms of uh, eliminating drug deaths eliminating crime associated with it and and disease and all the problems that they had uh we should learn from that and and we're sort of uh schizophrenic on the subject you know you have uh a decriminalization of marijuana and medical marijuana and and the president has said some thoughtful things about that but i think the heightened criminalization of of opioid use is is a problem because you know Addicts are going to go get what they can get if they, if, if they feel they need it, whether or not we think that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, incentives matter and and people are going to figure out ways to do these things. But I, I think this is a this is directly linked to border security. And the president talked a lot about all these 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 dangerous drugs that are coming into our country. Let's pull the rug out from under the bad guys and and, and let 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 uh, people and doctors and, and, and freedom 
work itself through here. I agree with you, and I believe the uh, I believe the opioid crisis and the heroin crisis is um, is much more than most people can deal with. And I have been somebody who have said you can't legalize uh, all these drugs because we're not a society that's that's willing to deal with it. I think if you look at what Portugal did, uh, I I think we are running out of options because the drug war clearly doesn't work. What happened uh, in Portugal did work. And uh, I think to save lives, we need something dramatic. And I am, uh, I hate to say this because I haven't really thought it through, but I think I am at a place now in my life where I am for the legalization of drugs because it's just not working. This is not working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're, you're letting your inner libertarian come out. Yeah. And, and that's, that's okay. We'll work through this together. I know. So, um, so make the libertarian case, because I know a lot of libertarians who are not for border security. Can you make that libertarian case? So, you know, some, some libertarians use the phrase open borders, and I think I, I don't like the phrase because I think it means different things to different people, and I think we should be concise in our language. Um, I think that the consensus libertarian view is that people that want to come to our country and work and follow the rules and society should be welcome. And, and our current immigration system doesn't do that. Immigrants, legal and illegal, are political footballs. Both uh, political parties have agendas other than that principle that I just stated. And, and another thing we could do, uh, uh, to deal with uh, how we how we actually get to real border security is to make sure that people that want to come here and work and contribute have a clear process and maybe it's maybe it's guest worker reform maybe it has nothing to do with citizenship if that's a concern for people but as long as we make it impossible for those good people to cross the border we make it easier for bad people to cross the border yes i I, I will tell you I have we have two people that I would like to hire um, and bring into the fold, uh, and I think they would contribute a lot to our society. And I can't, I can't even get them green cards. I mean, they they can't. Yeah. They've got a job. They can't come in, and it's ridiculous. I mean, if if you if you can work and you want to work and you want to live by our laws, we should make that so easy to do. And we should just be very, very clear on you got to come through the front door. Have to. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the front the front door has you have to know where the front door is and you have to know what the rules of the game are. And you have to know that if you're going to if you're going to go through that process, I know this is going to take three months, six months, whatever it is um, that that has to be honest and open. And, And this is where. It's kind of fascinating to watch Bernie Sanders attack the Koch brothers for yeah. for 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 their position on immigration. But I, you know, I think the the Kochs have a pretty clear what I would call a libertarian view. If you want to come here and work and contribute, uh, this is part of what's made America a great place. Yes. And and I think you know politicians. You know, I, th- I think a lot of politicians are interested in in owning and controlling people once they get here you know, for their votes. And, yeah. and, and, and that's part of the reason it's a political football. But, you know, some of us need to just lay it out there 
uh, you know, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi didn't talk anything about um, making it uh, safe and predictable and legal for good people to come yeah. here and contribute to our country. Um, uh, Matt, I've, I've got about 45 seconds. How does this play with the the swing vote, the independent vote? Where do they fall eventually, do you think? So, I, I th- you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, that Trump has dug his heels in on this and, you know, that the wall is every bit as much a, a rhetorical symbol as yeah. anything else. Um, but, you know, a lot of the people that are hurt by this government shutdown because Trump controls the executive branch are probably Democrats. So I wonder how long the Democrats are going to hold out. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate it. By the way, you can uh, find Matt's show and all of his views on Blaze TV. Join us now at blazetv.com slash back promo code back. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Okay. I take relief factor three times a day, every single day. Um, This is really not a commercial. This is a pleasure for me to tell you about this. I was in so much pain. I don't want to be on opioids. I don't want to be on any kind of drug from the doctor. And at the same time, I, as much as I, I hate drugs uh, like that because of my alcoholism, I also don't like pain. And I don't believe in anything that's organic. I'm stuck. And so I was in this place where I couldn't live like this any longer. It was a year ago, last December. Started taking Relief Factor because my wife was like, just try it. So I did. <laughs> 70% of the people who just try it go on and order it month after month. I've been on it now for over a year. It's uh, created by doctors, reduces inflammation. It's natural. It's relieffactor.com. Go there now, relieffactor.com, and get your life back. We spent the show today looking at the border crisis and where it goes from here. We have another perspective from Stephen Kent coming up next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We have had some really fascinating points of view uh, that we have uh, brought to the table. We decided um, uh, yesterday that we were going to try to just grab as many of the voices as we could possibly squeeze in from uh the blaze and uh and from different uh, different perspectives as much as we could and i have really i don't think i've ever heard uh such a wide variety and yet come away with kind of the same feeling from almost everybody there's a lot of agreement uh, in general yeah um different parts of it i think uh, you know hit up people's buttons in certain ways yeah. but it's, it's been interesting to kind of to and watch it, this it's happen. been interesting to see like eric bowling who is friends with the president mm-hmm. um he came on and he said you know i don't i hope he doesn't do the national emergency thing uh, but he didn't want he might, to. He also said he wanted to open up the government with the exception of just mm-hmm. the Homeland Security and just fight out the border mm-hmm. just there. There's a bunch of bills that Democrats have proposed to open all the other parts of the government and keep just the Homeland Security thing as an ongoing uh, debate. And isn't it interesting to hear uh, Matt Kibbe say he should keep the government closed because it's not going to hurt his voting base because most of the people who are going to be affected are going to be Democrats and they'll be screaming at the Democrats open the government. Yeah. It's an, inter- an it's interesting day. Really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, uh, we have one more guest that we want to put on. He is a spokesperson for uh, young voices and also host of beltway Bantha's uh, podcast. 
I, I find him interesting, funny, and uh, really uh, a credible guy. Stephen Kent, a millennial voice of the conservative movement. Welcome to the program. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. So, Stephen, give me your thought on uh, on the speech last night, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's speech, how this is going to play out. What do you think is what do you think last night meant? Well, I agree very much with your White House correspondent, John Miller, in that Trump just could not read from the prompter. And it was really it was really worse than ever. No charisma. And for him, I think that can be incredibly damaging. I was expecting like a little bit more gusto and conviction and maybe jazz hands for his final pitch on his precious wall project. I mean, this has been what his entire political career has been about. And he didn't sell it. And by the way, the Democrats looked terrifying as well. It was like Emperor Palpatine and the Joker making a national address. together. <laughs> and it was, it's kind of scary. And the substance was intellectually dishonest and cynical as well. And I think there was plenty of that to go around between the president and his adversaries in Congress. Like nobody even attempted to move the meter for their side. And I think that's pretty sad when you look back on some White House speeches from days past that really aimed to try to move people not just terrify or belittle them. Okay, so wait, hang on just a second. Where do you think the president was trying to terrify or belittle? I, I thought he, I, I thought he uh, spoke with the facts for the most part. Um, I thought he even said, "Look, it, this is a humanitarian thing. Uh, we don't have the space for these people. We just don't have the resources. We need more resources. And you know, it, it's a wall. If they want to do a fence, we'll do a fence. But we have to do this." Yeah. So I, he he paid sort of uh, homage to the the humanitarian crisis on the border very briefly. It was kind of a couple of sentences, and then he really moved on to like the law and order portion of this. I mean, some really gruesome stuff. And, and the crimes that have been committed by some illegal immigrants across the country are no doubt gruesome. They're sad. But to spend, I think, that time from the Oval Office sort of doing this uh, just reciting of, of three, four, five, like really just awful crimes that you'd have to send your child out of the room uh, to hear from the president. That is not normal. And we've not seen that kind of thing before. And I also don't think it is appropriate to use that platform to talk about these instances as if they are a normal uh, and sort of like epidemic part of American life. You wouldn't accept that from President Obama on guns. You wouldn't accept that from a George Bush on the sort of epidemic of terror. You know, that's that's just not sort of our daily lives. And I think that was a misrepresentation. I do think we did hear that from Obama um, with the guns thing here and there, maybe not in the in the Oval mm-hmm. Office. But do you think, Stephen, when it comes to the sort of delivery from President Trump, there's a report out today that basically he didn't even want to do this. Like, this is not something he was interested in doing. He doesn't want to do the, the photo op on the border. This is really not his passion. The issue might be his passion, but like this delivery system is just makes him uncomfortable. It seems. I'm really perplexed by that because I thought that was exactly what his thing was. I I saw that report and I heard John Miller talking about it again earlier. And I am just sort of shocked because this sort of seems like what he is made to do to sort of get on TV um, and pound his fist and give a, give a speech about something that he's passionate about and it really, you could see that he did not want to be there. So I buy that 100%. Um, I, I don't think so. I, hang on. I, I don't think so. I, I, I just really? don't think he is capable of delivering a script. I just don't think that's in him. 
He's much sure. better when he's just speaking off the cuff. Right. He's just he's not an actor. Yeah. And, and now, I were you in Home Alone, too? Because I know he was. Were you, Glenn? Were you in Home Alone, too? <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. So good, yeah. Stephen. No, no, it's it's kind of shocking to see that he wouldn't actually put his all into a platform like that. He's the president of the United States. He's been working for this for years, and it's his first opportunity to use that platform to his ends. And I, I think he really kind of fell on his face there. So, Steve, on the border, what do you do? Um, well, hang, hang on, before you get into that, you know, I, I, the, 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 the diminishing of crime. This is from the United States Sentencing Commission. So this is a U.S. source. Non-U.S. citizens accounted for 40.7% of all offenders in fiscal year 2017. So 40% of all federal offenses are are happening from non-U.S. citizens, according to the government. That's pretty significant. Yeah, crime happens, and I think we have to do a better job of of controlling who comes into this country, which I, I think is going to go to your next question about, you know, what do we do? Uh, there's there's no doubt there. But again, that is a misrepresentation of the amount of people who come into this country, both legally and illegally. The, the, the majority of people who are in this country, technically illegally, are people who overstayed their their legal right to be here, their visas, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't we don't have sort of a mass epidemic of, of murderers climbing over a wall and running into Los Angeles. That's that's not really what's going on here. So what do you do at the border, Sue? Yeah, I, I'm really conflicted. You know, I, I have conservative and libertarian tendencies, and they both fight for control every day. But here's my, here's my concession as a libertarian. I am very concerned that the populist movement in Europe um, is actively, if not already, overtaken U.S. politics. Um, and our traditional, more open political parties are rapidly closing. And voters, voters demanded something very radical with electing Donald Trump. A vote for him was a vote for the wall. And my fear is that ignoring this could have far worse consequences for the expanse of government than the project itself, which is just more of a cash hole and I think a bad symbol for the United States. I mean, what if Trump or the Trumps of the world, like they get frustrated enough to expand the infrastructure for the war on terror and homeland security to even further grow surveillance systems and Big Brother to monitor people for immigration enforcement? They already do this. I mean, if you live on the border, you're practically under drone surveillance all of the time. But imagine if it expanded more darkly. Like, so I just, I wonder if the wall would at least tame the vitriol that has been boiling up in our politics for the past decade, even if it compromises some of our values and imperils our national spending problems a little bit more. Uh, but good on, good on Trump for not invoking emergency powers and kicking this back to Congress because mm-hmm. this is their failure and they need to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Stephen, thank you very much for the perspective. I appreciate it. Uh, spokesperson for Young Voices and uh, also the Beltway Banthas podcast, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, you only got one uh, nerdy Star Wars reference in there, which is a little disappointing. Yeah, yeah uh, it really is. I really mean, that's, is. we'll have to talk to him about that for next appearance. Um, I tend to agree with him, though, on the, the border wall. This, this Donald Trump was elected because of the border wall. I really think that was the thing that connected with people. Now, they wanted other things from him as well, but that was the thing that connected. And if he can't get this done, who can? Who's next? That's a function of the system, though. He was elected in a country with a system of government. But that system is becoming more and more discredited every day. I mean, every president gets elected with some 
project that people believe in, right? Like, I, I'm sure millions of people voted for Barack Obama because they wanted gun control, mm-hmm. right? Like, and he didn't get his gun control. And he shouldn't have got his gun control because to get his gun control, he would have had to go through Congress and actually mm-hmm. pass things and also probably amend the Constitution to do those things. Uh, but, you know, that doesn't always happen. No, we I know. still have to do just things think, the right way. I just think because the Democrats are blocking something that they've already voted for and they mm-hmm. were for. Yeah. And the Republicans said they were for, but they were never for. Uh, I just think that you're in a different situation. It's at least a thoughtful um, exercise to go through yeah. what he just uh, what he just said. All right. Let me tell you our sponsor this half hour. If you're looking to sell your home, uh, may I suggest you go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This was started by me, uh, my uh, my brother and uh, my wife, really kind of out of frustration and a learning curve. I've sold houses, you know, a million times. I've always lost money on houses because of radio. You just sell, you know, you know, not necessarily selling at the right times. <laughs> and you can um, never hold a job for more than like six or eight months. Yeah, I know. So you just don't, you just you never win on that. Um, but, uh, when I was up in Connecticut, I had really hard time, uh, selling my house as I usually do. And I thought there's just gotta be a better way to do this. I started doing business in something else with all of the best real estate agents around the country. They're all the wall street journal. They rank the best in the country. And I started asking them questions about their business. And I found out the, one of the most important questions you can ask is, um, tell me about your marketing plan for my house, not for your face, for my house. What's your marketing plan? I had never even thought of that question before. Why? Because we just trust these real estate agents and most of the real estate agents don't know what they're doing. It's I was I've been working with the people who are the best in the area or some of them are the best in the state and the country. Um, and it's, we've, we've put them together now at realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Most of them, you know, many of them run their own real estate business. This is just a connection. If you're looking for somebody who has your same principles and values, listens to the show. So they kind of think like you and they know your area. They know how much your home is worth. I want you to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. We will connect you with them. And we'll stay with you the entire process to make sure that you're happy. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. In looking at the speech last night, in watching it myself, the president was wooden, but he was solid, I believe, on the facts. He was solid on the message um, I think where the where the speech really kind of had a turning point was when he started talking about immorality. Listen, some have suggested a barrier is immoral. Then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. He, he the then only went on thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. He then went on to talk about the victimization and he talked about drugs. And it was just within a couple of minutes of Trump completing his speech that the media attacked Politico, Washington Post, whined the president was not presidential enough. I don't I don't I've rarely seen him more presidential. 
USA Today, CNN, both eagerly devoted articles to fact-checking the president. The hysterical, as always, HuffPo um, lost all credibility and objectivity, accused him of lying. Even in the headline, Trump spreads lies on televised speech for border wall funding. While they were printing those things, uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer stood in a long hallway that just looked like a a scary 1984 hallway that led nothing either to a torture chamber or to a bathroom. I'm not sure. Standing there, uh, appearing like uh, the two characters in American Gothic by Grant Wood. They had really nothing credible to say. But the the point of the speech last night that shouldn't be missed is this. To every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. I don't know if enough people heard that call, but the president responded to the American people when he first said a couple of weeks ago, yeah, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to hold up the government on the wall. And his base went crazy. He responded to you. Now the question is, will you respond to him and call Congress and become an activist for this wall in the places where it really counts in the halls of Congress and on the phone with your senators. Oh, so really, you're going to make me do that again. Mm, I have to I call. Know. I know. I don't have the, I don't have the cell phone minutes. They make all these freaking calls to Congress. I swear, like, is that is that part of our jobs? We always have to just call them and tell them what to do. Do something near yeah. Constitution. Yeah. How about occasionally doing something that makes some sense? Stop spending all of our money on nothing. I, I mean, I mean, the border wall. Look, you can you can you can make arguments about it, but the idea that you're going to say that it's a wall is a immoral and b ineffective. Both of those arguments are bonkers. Right, like none of them make any sense. We all know that a wall stops people. It might not going to stop everybody, but it's going to stop some people. And as the idea that it's immoral is is ridiculous. As somebody who has had threats uh, to his family's safety, let me just tell you this: the first thing that any security company will tell you is get a wall and a gate and some dogs. I can't believe you're bringing that up again. I've already apologized for the threats. <laughs> Relax. You are. Yeah, there's a restraining order. Back up, Mister. Back up. You're listening to Glenn Beck.